What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Our Lives in Medicine. This episode features Dr. Caitlin McSurdy. Dr. McSurdy is an internal medicine resident in Philadelphia who strives to combine fashion with compassion. She is also a former D1 track athlete who is passionate about fitness and its role in health and is also a mentor for medical students and pre-meds. Check out her journey through medicine and enjoy an episode with a really fun and intelligent lady. Hope you enjoy. And if you do, please feel free to share with others. Also like us on Instagram at Our Lives in Medicine and comment on the things you enjoyed about the episode and things you'd like to hear in other episodes. And as always, if you need some good beats to study or get some work done or just catch some good vibes, listen to the intro and outro and check the show notes for the artist shout outs. I hope you enjoy and I hope you have a great day. Until something's proven empirically, epistemological concepts, whatever your conceptual ideas, they have to make a juxtaposition with reality someplace so that you know by empirical evidence that what you have said was reality is tested to be reality and proven to be reality. How are things going with you? Can't complain besides the technical difficulty here and there, but you know. Yeah, it happens. We'll, exactly. Hopefully we'll get through that. So let's see, when do you, you have a couple weeks left before you start, right? Uh, so my first day of orientation is June 10th. So honestly, not that much longer. Oh, wow. Yours is like really soon. Yeah. Mine is June 22nd. I have like ACLS, PALS, all that on the 16th. But right. we don't start, we don't hit the hospital till July 1st, so... Oh, okay. See, yeah, we're on the floor. It's June 20th. Oh, man. So June 20th, how'd your kids, how'd your wife, right? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Are you far from where you're starting residency? Uh, no, I'm about two, two and a half hours away on a bad day. Okay, sweet. Same, actually. So it's not too far from home, not too close to home. It's not. It's perfect. Yeah, exactly. It's the perfect distance. I have friends who are moving from like South Florida to like Oregon and I'm like, man, that is tough. Yeah. That's, that's a rough transition. Especially, you know, given the current Corona stuff and how everything probably costs more to get people involved. I mean, I can't yeah, imagine. Yeah, absolutely. So. And flights are being canceled and. 
you know, I was supposed to go see my cousin like a month ago. He's shipping out on Wednesday for, he's in the Air Force and he's gone for like, he's going to be gone for a while. And I was supposed to see him, but the flight got changed so much that there were going to be four layovers. Oh my God. And one of them was like at the same time as another one took off. So it would have been literally impossible to make it. So right, right. Didn't get to see him before he left, but hopefully I'll get to see him when he gets back. So yeah, that's unfortunate though. I know it made me sad. It was his birthday yesterday, so we at least Facetimed, but it's not the same, you know. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's not. But, it, but we'll get it. It's okay. It's all good. So, but what about you? What are you uh, most excited for for residency? Um, I think it will just be, even though the hospital is probably very crazy right now during the whole pandemic. I think I'm very excited to just be back in the clinical setting. I feel like I haven't been there since March. So it'll definitely be nice to get back in the swing of things. Have having a schedule is something I'm looking forward to um <laughs> getting back into instead of, you know, kind of waking up whenever I feel like it and wasting a half a day. Um and just ultimately what I've always been excited for, you know, being able to learn to practice medicine on my own, gaining confidence, making long-term relationships with patients, all that stuff. Yeah, I, it's funny. I'm I'm the same way. I feel like I'm going crazy kind of without a schedule, but I'm sure by like August, I'll be like, man, I missed that free time. So Yeah, I know. That's why I try not to say it too often that I miss having <laughs> a schedule because I've tried making a schedule that I've been sticking to kind of every day um, just to help the days pass by a little bit. But uh, yeah, I feel like, you know, come July, July 2nd, I'm going to probably be <laughs> June, what, June 21st, maybe even. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> June 21st for me. Yeah, you'll be like, man, I missed that free time. So yeah, I think uh, the first time I have to get up at 4 a.m. again, it's been a long time since I've had to wake up at 4 a.m. And I think that's going to be the reality of like, man. (laughs) Exactly. Especially because I don't know how it was for you. But for me, like the the last few rotations, even before COVID suspended, um, our rotations were like, you know, kind of lenient in terms of hours. Like I had radiology. I didn't have to go in until nine. Mm, That's beautiful. Yeah. But I think. I don't know with internal, but I know for family, it's going to be like that certain months. Like some months we'll have like procedure month where we just right. were in like the dermatology procedure clinic. That's like nine to one. So that's pretty sweet. But yeah, that's you know, not bad at all. OB is going to be super busy. I was just going to say, week. then you have like OB and surgery rotations where you'll definitely be there 6 a.m. <laughs> exactly. So, and you know, the thing is, man, I hope I get my OB done early because if you wait, you know, six to nine months from now, it is going to be slammed. Yeah, so, Absolutely. All the quarantine boomers, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's going to be tough. So hopefully I can yeah. get mine done early. Yeah. And it would be good to have early too, because then, you know, you review it for step three, because I mean, at least I know for me, I'm definitely not going to be reviewing ob guide during uh, internal medicine on the wards, at least. Yeah. The, the, probably the lowest priority for internal yeah. <laughs> on the floor. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Maybe oh, next man. to peds. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Are there, there's not going to be peds on your um, boards, right? No, only step three. Okay, right. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Step three. I'm already... See, I'm already slipping. I've lost so much. I forgot that there's step three already. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. Maybe best case scenario, they'll cancel that too, just like CS. <laughs> they'll just cancel it all together, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I remember, you know, first, first year upperclassmen, you, you'd hear that rumor of, oh, don't worry, step two, you just studied like for like a week and you're good. Step three is like two days. And I don't know about you, but I studied two months for step two. Uh, and I was still like, you know, could have done more, so... Yeah, I don't, step two, actually, I only had two weeks of dedicated, so I yeah. I did study during my last rotation, but it was never, like, you know, dedicated full days, because I still had to go, you know, to the hospital and do my duties there, but 
Yeah. Yeah. Step I, three. I cannot foresee myself studying two days for a board exam. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I just feel like people say that to sabotage or something. Or they, you know, yeah. You, same thing when you go on Reddit and people are like, oh, I studied for two weeks and I got like a, you know, 264, like no big deal. It's going to be fine. Like, yeah, right. right. Yeah. Right. Okay. What was your baseline? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Dude, two, 254. Okay. Then we'll. Yeah, finished U World in, in a week and a half, and I got two seventy three. Yeah. So you know, I'm pretty happy with that. Like, all right, dude. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. It's like my last rotation was in February, and it was ER. So you know how that is. It's just my guy worked eight p.m. to six a.m. So I was waking up whenever I wanted. So yeah, I missed I, that. I I had an emergency in January too, and it was ours were twelve just twelve hour. It was twelve hour shift work, which uh, it wasn't too bad. We had a week of nights and. It, actually, it was pretty exhausting. I don't know why I did it so late in the year when I should have been kind of like, you know, chilling a little bit after interviews, but whatever. It was a good learning experience. I That was one of my favorite rotations, actually. That was mine, too. I, I loved it. It was just, I don't think it's for me personally, but it's definitely cool. It, it, I could see it being fun, but I couldn't see it like when I'm 45. That lifestyle would not be fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah. What, uh, what, what drew you to internal? Um, so for me, internal was kind of like a, I guess a discovery process and a ruling in and out process. Um, I was always interested in primary care. That's why I went into medicine to begin with, because that's what I was interested in. I didn't have a lot of experience in like any specialties or anything. So I, I did do some work in, in pediatrics clinic, um, when I was an undergrad and I, I did spend a few weeks with an orthopedic surgeon and both of them were, you know, interesting, but I was like, I don't really want to do this forever. Um, so when I got to clinicals, I wanted to stay open-minded because as much as I did like primary care, I also wasn't really ever exposed to anything other than, you know, peds and ortho. So I kept an open mind. I did really like, I would say probably all of my rotations. I, did, I didn't really particularly hate any of them. Um, but ultimately, I liked internal because one, you can, you have the option of staying broad or specializing. And then you just get to form those long-term relationships with patients. And that's what I think I like the most about it. You're just, you know, you're forming a relationship with people at very vulnerable times in their life. You might be the first person they have the whole death and dying discussion with. You might be the first person they come to that realization about, I'm not feeling right. And so, I don't know, I just really like that relationship um, in the aspect of internal medicine. Yeah, sweet. And do you, do you see yourself practicing inpatient, outpatient, kind of combination of both? Um, ideally I would like a combination of both, but I think pr I would probably do 70, 30. I would say 70% outpatient, 30% inpatient. Oh, okay. That's a cool mix. And, you know, doing outpatient medicine as an internist, it's a lot different than a family med office. I think, I think the things you can kind of focus in on are a little bit more intricate. So like, that's pretty cool. That'd be definitely an interesting, you know, career. Yeah. I mean, family medicine is what I was actually originally thinking of applying for. So Definitely much respect to those family practitioners out there, like your future self. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't know how much family specifically I'm going to do ultimately because I'm going to do a sports fellowship. Okay. I think there's still plenty of medicine to be done outside of just – sports med itself isn't just musculoskeletal. There's a lot of other stuff you have to know how to handle. So Absolutely. I think it'll be interesting. Actually, all the posters I've done for sports med were mostly – they weren't musculoskeletal things. They were truly medicine things. Yeah. Um, so it'll be fun. It'll be fun. So um, I think probably for you, was it you just met like a, 
had like an annoying kid on rotations and you were like, all right, I don't want to do kids anymore. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, um, I like kids. I just, I don't, I don't think I, I didn't think I wanted to be their doctor is all. I, I liked dealing with adults better. I'm not really sure what it is about adults that I liked better, but, um, I love kids. I love babysitting. I babysit it for a long time. I did, you know, I taught kids swim lessons for years. Um, I just don't want to be their doctor. I, I prefer adults in the medicine setting. I like how you said it last time you were saying that you didn't feel like you were sacrificing anything, not having to take care of kids. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. And like I said before, you know, I, when I was deciding between family and internal, I had to kind of come to the discovery, like what the heck is the difference between the two other than inpatient outpatient. And like I said, I, I would rather sacrifice not taking care of kids not having any surgery experience for learning every system in a much greater detail through an internist perspective opposed to family medicine training. So IM residency doesn't even have a surgical rotation? To, I think you can do it electively, but it's not required by ACGME, no. Oh, sweet. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it makes sense because when would an internist ever need that? So, you know, um, but you still get plenty of procedural training, I'm sure, like throwing lines and, you know, removing... Uh, masses, things like that, I'm assuming. Yeah, in the ICU, you get tons of experience doing central lines, paracentesis, thoracentesis, stuff like that. Um, And again, that's something ACGME requires you to have X amount of each procedure in order to graduate residency. Gotcha, gotcha. So when you were figuring, you know, you landed on IM, what were some, I know you were saying you're kind of picking between family and IM, what were some other things maybe you were considering or even just some things that you rotated in and said, there's no way I would ever do this? Um, so other than, you know, internal and family, which I had to pull apart after a while, um, the other thing that I toyed around with the idea with a little was emergency medicine. Um, I just thought that the ER was, it it can be a very depressing place, but it it can also be a very fun place. I can see that being a very fun job, but similar to you, I can see it being fun in my youth, but when I get older, I don't necessarily think I'll find it as fun. I feel like you need a lot of energy to maneuver around the emergency department and I just I don't think after practicing medicine for 20 or so years, I will have that anymore. And the other thing that drove me nuts is just, you see everything just like you do in family and internal, but you have no long-term patient follow-up. And that drove me absolutely insane. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it's perfect for certain people. But I think like you said, I like to, I would like to have someone come in like, Hey doc, what's going on? And you're like, Hey, how was, how's the kids? How was that trip you just took? You know, things like that. That's, I like that better. Yeah, I absolutely agree there are some people who are going to make, you know, excellent emergency room physicians. And there are some people who will make excellent primary care doctors. We all have our niche. You know, the thing for me, I really, when I say I loved uh, ER, I was like really considering it because that wasn't even in my top three considerations until I did the rotation. But then the thing that got me was the necrotic foot wounds. I was like, you know, (laughs) I don't think when I'm even 35, I'm going to want to deal with this anymore. Yeah. Um, I remember we had this one guy with two different cases. One guy comes in with a bag wrapped around his leg and he's like, you know, it's been hurting. I cut, you know, he has a diabetic foot. So he's like, oh, I I think I cut it. So I just wrapped it up. Dude had maggots all the way up to his ankle and was like, yeah, the bag, the bag started making a weird sound. So I figured I'd come in and it was the maggots moving around. Oh my goodness. And then another guy took his bandage off 
and it just cleared the floor. I mean, like I'd say like within like five rooms, all the nurses and staff came out and were like, what is that smell? <laughs> and my doc's face was just right in there. He's like, yep, yep. You got some, uh, I got some growth going on in there. I was like, how do you, how do you stomach that? <laughs> I, I just couldn't do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I think so. that's, that's the part that got me about surgery as well is I didn't mind being in the OR that much. Um, again, that's not really something I have to do for the rest of my life is, you know, being in an OR, but I did enjoy the OR, but you know, all of the abscesses and stuff like that. I was just like, nah, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm, super, I'm super good on the, on the tough smells. Yeah. I'll take athlete's foot. I can, I can handle that, but yeah. you know, I don't want to deal with just like the smells that you just can't imagine or describe. I don't want to deal with those. So, right. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so kind of taking a step back, what was your route into med school? did you go straight from undergrad or kind of, what did you do to get in? Um, so I did, I got my bachelor's from Temple University in 2015. Um, I applied to U.S. medical schools my senior year. I had a 19 on my MCAT, so obviously I didn't get accepted anywhere. I didn't even get any interviews. Um, and then I took a gap year, and during that year was like at the beginning of the cycle. I was applying to USMD and USDO schools because I had taken the new MCAT um, and got like a I did a little bit better, but not like substantially better. Um, but I was waitlisted at one DO program for an interview and I never wound up getting it because they filled all of their seats. And so then I had to make the decision, you know, do I want to do a master's program? Do I want to do a post-bac program or do I consider the Caribbean route? And so ultimately for me, um, I pay for my education with student loans and I just didn't want to do a post-bac program or a master's pr program and continue learning things that I, you know, wasn't necessarily super interested in. I mean, like science is interesting, but it's not medicine. So I was afraid that even doing these programs, I would still go through an, the application cycle a third time and still not get into medical school. So I just thought that it would be one cheaper, even though, you know, Caribbean medical schools are a little bit more expensive than U.S. schools um, to just go to the Caribbean, not get more student loan debt from either a post-bac or a master's program and just go ahead and start, you know, learning medicine. So... Yeah, that was a I smart took... move. I did the master's route and that added a lot of money to my debt. So that's a smart move. Yeah, it's education is so expensive here. It's so expensive. If you're on the receiving end of that, like if you're on the business end of education, I mean, that's a lucrative, lucrative business. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially when you know the government's going to pay it no matter what you charge. So that's a, also that's, very true. That's interesting. <laughs> so what was life in the Caribbean like for you? Um... It was both the best experience of my life and one of the most difficult experiences of my life. Um, in terms of being the best experience, I mean, you live on a Caribbean island. Like, what else could you ask for? The beaches are amazing. There's tons of outdoor activities to do. And I, myself, am a huge, you know, outdoor activity enthusiast. I love hiking. I love going to the beach. I love animals. And you can go see the sea turtles and things like that. Go through the rainforests. So in that aspect, it was absolutely amazing. And then I think in terms of the hardest part, you just, you face a lot of additional challenges other than learning medicine, which is super fast paced and a ton of information in a very short period of time. Um, the grocery store doesn't always have the things you need. Sometimes the boat comes, sometimes the boat doesn't come and the grocery store is empty. Mm. Um, sometimes the buses come, sometimes they don't come. Um, the cultural differences, you know, Obviously, in the U.S., we do things very fast-paced. In the Caribbean, they're on island time. So that took a little bit of adjustment because, you know, if you go to the grocery store or you go to grab food, 
they don't really care that you have to study. They're just going to keep doing what they always have done, and that's take their time. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> what about like the classroom setting? What was it? Was it mandatory class? Was it kind of recorded lectures? What was the day to day like? So all of our lectures were recorded, but we had we did have like an attendance requirement that we had to meet. So we had to attend eighty percent or more of lectures, uh, or else you would have points taken off your grade. So. Basically, yeah, lecture was mandatory <laughs> do you for think the most part. Do you think that's beneficial to have a mandatory lecture requirement or do you think it should kind of be more lax? You know, I, I agree and I disagree and I think it largely depends on the institution. And I say that because in the Caribbean, they realistically, as much as I enjoyed my experience, I'm not blind to the fact that it's a business. Um, and so in order to continue to get those good match statistics and get people to come there. I think that having a mandatory lecture policy is probably helpful in that sense because they have to show that they're doing things to get people to come to class. They have to show that they're, you know, that their best interest in the student's education is at heart. And I think that's one way that they can do it. Um, however, I also understand that some people don't learn the best through lecture and they just need to sit with the material for a long period of time. So I do think it's a little unfortunate in that sense, if you don't learn well from lecture. Um, but like I said, I think it's, it depends where you are. Yeah. So you kind of see where they're coming from, but it's tough because I know my school, they had like when I started, they had just recently transitioned to where most of the classes were not mandatory, whereas before everything was mandatory. So, right. you know, labs obviously were mandatory. Uh, the classes that they knew no one would go to were mandatory. So like humanism and medicine, which is just right. like a money grab. Uh, they made that one mandatory because no one's going to go to that when you're studying for, you know, your boards or you have a block of exams coming up. You're not going to go waste three hours. But those classes were mandatory, but otherwise, you know, physio, cardio, all that stuff was just, if you want to come, you can come. I personally like that. Cause like you said, I mean, I would stay home all day and do lecture, do board studying, do boards and beyond pathoma, whatever, consolidate, right. but like resources you knew were helping you. Exactly. And I, again, I don't know how your school was, but my school specifically, they like, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to be proud of, but they pride themselves on not teaching for the boards. They pride just themselves on teaching quote unquote, what you need for medicine which right i mean it's highly debatable i think if you teach with the boards no matter what you'll cover something you need for medicine but so right. you get information you look it up in first aid and it's they don't match up sometimes so you had to kind of right, study, right. study school stuff and then study board stuff unfortunately and that kind of was a headache but so it's good that at least hopefully i hope your school was uh, a little bit different they kind of taught what you needed to know and it matched up I would say we were definitely taught more for, like, our lectures were tailored towards, you know, you passing step one. Um, one, because that's realistically the best way for an IMG to get a residency is to, you know, show everyone that you have the same scores as, you know, U.S. students get. Uh, you're on the same playing field. But, you know, the other thing I think, too, is in terms of making lectures mandatory, like, especially in large classes like ours, some people are on like different levels of education. Like some people did do a master's program in like genetics. And so like sitting through another genetics lecture is probably not, you know, beneficial to them when they could be learning physio, which is something they may not have any experience in and they might take a little bit longer to learn that. So I don't mm, know. now, yeah, now you have me point. thinking. <laughs> that's a good point too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like you said, there was people in my, in my school 
same way. I mean, people people were doctors in other countries, people right, right. Medics in the military. I mean, they knew things already. So like them learning, uh, you know, basics of I don't know life res- uh, like um, I'm trying to think of an example resuscitation of a pediatric patient. I mean, some of them have done it dozens of times already. Right. So yeah, like you said, kind of wasting their time, but. Um, at the same time, it's like if you know if you have students not doing well and you look at well, are you going to lecture and they're not? It's like well, maybe you should. I don't know. Yeah, and it's tough. I think that's definitely a big thing with with my school too, is because you know Caribbean schools do have the reputation of having you know students drop out and whatnot, and so it's like when someone goes for help, the first thing they say are well, are you going to lecture? That's a lot of the reason the the policy is there as well. You know, it's interesting. They have—I I didn't know the reputation of students dropping out, but I do know the reputation of them crushing boards. So it's like—that's go- good to hear, actually. <laughs> I mean, I've always heard that, like, you go down there and it's just. So I've heard that. Obviously, correct me if I'm wrong. It's kind of like a mosh pit. They—they they just throw you in and they say, "Kind of here's your material. Good luck." And then students kind of have to find their own way to figure out the material and crush the boards. But they tend to crush the boards, I think, because they were kind of just thrown to the wolves. It's kind of sink or swim. Right. <laughs> So yeah, maybe you I think, can correct that if that's not true. I think largely that's true. Um, I think if you needed extra like academic assistance, I personally think my school was you know good about. There were a lot of upper semester students who, if they have mastered physiology or anatomy or whatever, they lead review sessions. You can sign up for private tutors. You can professors still have office hours. Um, the honor society has students who tutor. Like I, I think that in terms of academic outreach. Um, there's plenty of opportunity. Um, so there, there are resources, but it's up to you if you want to seek them. So I guess that's essentially being on your own because no one's telling mm-hmm. you like, hey, if you have like lower scores, you should be reaching out. You just have to find the resources on your own. So I think uh, in terms okay. of being fed to the wolves, that's kind of what they're referring to. <laughs> okay. And it sounds like, I was, you know, it sounds like that same thing at my school. I mean, it was like, hey, unless your grade dropped below 70, they didn't tell you anything. So Right, Exactly. But if you're at a 71, maybe, or if you're at a 75, whatever, maybe you should kind of start doing something different and we can offer things if you need something different. So, yeah, that's true. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I, I was hoping that was a misconception because I'm glad it was. So what do you think it would be like living on the island as a professor? I'd be chilling. I don't know what they live like <laughs> now, but I would be chilling. <laughs> right? I mean, maybe I that's like... not true for my actual professors, but... Maybe they're just like know. missing home, but I feel like you can go down there for five or six years and just stack money and kind of just coast, live on the island for a bit, you know, and then you can always move back. That's be pretty, that'd be a pretty sweet gig, I'd guess, actually. Yeah, I guess the only, the only thing that would worry me is like, if I were to start a family, it's like, th- th- that's the thing. I, maybe there are like great schools down there. Maybe there aren't. I honestly have no idea because I didn't have a child while I was there. So that's not something I really investigated, but that would be something that I guess would be like concerning to me is like, will I be able to find this, you know, similar education to what my children would have in the United States? Um, and then I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the Talk cultural differences, it. I guess too. That's it's like, true. I can't, <laughs> I can't imagine, you know, growing up with Island time and then being thrown and smack dab in New York, you know? Oof. Yeah. Uh, well, think about that. That would be kind of interesting. Like you're like age, you know, four through nine, you went to Caribbean elementary school and you come back here to like Florida or New York, Philly, whatever. And it's like, here's middle school, here's elementary school, but it's a lot different. <laughs> be yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Even like the, the makeup of people you're going to see, I feel like the Caribbean kids you'll see will look a lot different than the kids you'll see at a elementary school in Philadelphia or North Carolina, whatever. So it'd be interesting. But as far as the professor itself, that'd probably be a pretty cool gig. But 
Not for me. I think again. so too. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I I like I like academics in the sense of you know teaching on the words. I don't necessarily envision myself going on and on in the middle of a lecture hall. I don't think it's not my thing. No, no, same. Everyone has their niche. That's not mine. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. So. You transitioned from Philly to the islands, and then you had to come back from the islands to the States for rotations, right? Yes, New York. I think that's kind of why the, the example came to mind. <laughs> what was that transition like? Honestly, it was pretty rough. I think that might have been tougher than the transition to Grenada. I, I, had, a, I had a difficult time getting used to the fast-paced way of life in New York, honestly. What I think it would have been you? easier. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. I think it would have been easier going from, from Philly to, cause I'm originally from a very small town. So going to Philly was a big step for me in the first place. And so I was in Philly for five years and I think going from there to New York would have been like a nice little stepping stone, but having Grenada in the middle was, it kind of, kind of threw things off. I, I think it was pretty yeah. tough. Yeah, for sure. That, that Philly's big, but it's, there's nowhere like New York except no, like maybe there's not. <laughs> Tokyo or like right. LA or something, you know, but otherwise, yeah. Um, and what part of the New York were you in? Uh, so my first year I lived in Manhattan, in Northern Manhattan. And then my second year I, I moved to Brooklyn. Was that for rotations or just cause it was cheaper? Um, I moved because when I was during my third year, my place in Manhattan was cause I, I did a rotation in Westchester County, which is just North of the city. Um, and so it was easy for me to get to my rotations there. And then the other half of my rotations in Northern Brooklyn. So it wasn't like a nice middle point for the two. So I didn't have to move. But then during fourth year, a lot of my electives were in Brooklyn. So I just decided to move over there. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Did you, uh, did you enjoy your time there once you got used to it? Absolutely. Could you still like living in there again? No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it was cool, but never again. <laughs> so. No, yeah, it was great while it, they were an amazing two years, that's for sure. But lots of learning experiences, but I, even interviewing for a residency, I was like, okay, let's see what this program can offer me to get me to stay here. Because my mindset was I'm not coming back to New York. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. As much as I love it, it is, it's, you can only love New York after you learn to accept all the things you hate about it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I have a bunch of friends that live up there in Brooklyn and in the city. And it's like, it's cool for a week, man. By the time that week's over, I'm ready to get out of there. And that's not even dealing with all the politics of it. I don't, I don't, I don't personally don't like a lot of the politics of that state. So it's like all the high taxes. I mean, for me, it's just not for me, but yeah. it's a cool place to visit. It's awesome to visit, but yeah, living there, kudos to you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thanks. So yeah, exactly. I mean, it w it was cut three months short, so I did escape a little sooner than intended. But <laughs> yeah, see, that's even better. And, and my friends still live up, are up there now, and they're like, "Man, this sucks. You know, it's wild up here." And I'm like, "I mean, you put yourself I there." I bet. So, yeah. You know. um, but yeah, what were rotations like up there third third year? It it's hard for me to compare them to anywhere else since I only did rotations in New York except for two auditions that I did in Florida um I personally thought that I had a great hands-on learning experience I they're not really shy in terms of letting you like get your feet wet um and I, I my mentors were great like I said for internal medicine a lot of the reason I piqued an interest in internal medicine was because of my mentors so teaching overall I was you know pretty happy with sweet where did you do your auditions in Florida uh, Cleveland Clinic in Weston. In, in Weston, that's right. Okay, yes. That's right. I told you my school was in Fort Lauderdale, so that was... We were, oh, that's we right. Were, we were close by to a, to a degree. Um, and then I was I yeah, did Fort Myers bad. my third year. I did Fort Myers, so it was that was pretty cool, too. Just a lot of old people, but nothing wrong with that. 
Yeah. So, um, what are auditions in IM like? Um, so for me, I most times I think people do auditions, meaning they're sub-I. I actually didn't do my quote-unquote auditions as a sub-I. I did infectious disease and cardiology. And my goal was to one different experience because the population in Western Florida was drastically different from that, from that in inner city New York. Um, so I wanted a different patient population just for the time being to kind of, you know, get some exposure to that. And I also like, I was looking to, I was interested in moving to Florida as well for residency. And I thought that having a letter from a program in Florida would be would help me get maybe a little more interviews because I am actually from the Northeast and I don't think that's like the best look in terms of getting interviews for Florida. So I think having a letter from Florida helped, but the auditions were honestly not terribly different than, than that in New York. I think the big difference was the, the schedule. I felt like things were a lot more scheduled in Florida than they were in New York. What do you mean? I think like my attendings in Florida, like if they said, you know, okay, we're going to do X, Y, and Z, uh, three o'clock they were much better about being like, okay, we're doing this at three o'clock and actually coming at three o'clock than in New York because the hospital, the New York hospitals were definitely a lot busier than in Weston. Um, yeah, so I, it was easier for their <laughs> schedules to get thrown off, I think. I can um, imagine. Yeah. So nothing against either, either of them. I just, I think that it was a little more well orchestrated in Florida than in New York. But like, I also understand a little bit why. And you said you did a cardio audition and what was the other sub-I and what was the other Infectious one? disease. Infectious disease. What did, you, uh, yes. what did you think about those? I liked infectious disease a lot better than I expected to. Um, but I think, again, it was helpful that I had awesome attendings to work with. Um, and cardio was a really great experience too because the it's not just a cardiology floor service that you get to see. They have like general cards, they have a heart failure service, and they had like an EP service. So it was cool to see all of the, like all the things that they offer there, because a lot of times at the hospitals in New York, you know, either we didn't have a cath lab, or we didn't have one specific subspecialty. So the thing I really liked about doing cardiology there um, was that I got to see everything because they were very specialized for cardio. Mm -hmm. Sweet. And like, what were your day to day duties as a auditioning candidate there? Uh, more or less the same as in a sub-I, I felt like. You would get patients in the morning. I think I tend to carry more patients when I was in infectious disease than in cardio, actually. Um, but yeah, you come in, you go see your patients, you start writing your note, you round with the attendings, you fix the plan, they approve your note. <laughs> Um, and then in, in the afternoon we would go see new consults and then usually I felt like for both rotations, my attendings did an amazing job of having me read a short topic. They, they know that you're fourth year and that you're like, you don't have any actual homework to do. And they'd give you a short topic to read on up to date and just present it the next day. That way you were still staying on top of, you know, what you have learned and you're not losing all of your knowledge in fourth year. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's cool. So it sounds like it was interesting. It wasn't like they were trying to murder you. They really just wanted to kind of give you insight into the field. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and my, that's something I oh, go ahead. No, please go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that's something I appreciated because cardiology is something I was interested in. So I really felt like I needed to be worked and see how the fellows worked to kind of appreciate whether or not I would like that lifestyle or not. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You got a good insight into what's going on and what could potentially be your life if you went that route. Right. 
so I was just going to say that, you know, internal, I, I, I see the draw to internal. My, I think my favorite rotation third year was my internal rotation. Um, I had the same preceptor for two months and she did one week on one week off and she actually gave us the week off. She didn't make us rotate with anyone else. Um, even though our school wanted us to during that week off rotate elsewhere, she would just say, don't worry about it. But right. that, that seven days on, I mean, was like get in at 6am, you round, she hits you up at 10am and she wants to do rounds with you. So like you were super autonomous though. But I just remember one time I got in kind of late, like <laughs> we're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to round. Usually she wouldn't hit us up till like 10, 11, you know, maybe even 12 o'clock in the afternoon to round. But this time it was like 830. And I had just, I had just gotten in because I woke up late <laughs> and she's like, texted me. She's like, all right, I got to leave early today. Meet me at your patient's room. I was like, oh no. So we're at the uh, nurse's station and she's like, all right, present, you know, room A. And I'm like, uh, I haven't seen this patient yet. She's like, all right, what about room B? We're on this wing too. And I was like, I haven't seen this patient yet either. <laughs> and she's like, what about this room? I was like, I haven't seen any of my patients yet. And she goes, she goes, what the fuck have you been doing since 6 a.m.? <laughs> and in, at the nurse's station, and I looked up and I was like, oh God, everyone kind of looked over like, what is this guy going to say? Is he going to try to make a lie? I think she was ready to rip my head off and I just came clean. I was like, I, I actually got in late today. I haven't seen anyone. I truly apologize. I'm sorry. <laughs> that kind of, I think I saved my life because she just rolled her eyes and then like, all right, let's go see the patients. And everyone else was like disappointed that I didn't try to weasel my way out of it. Cause right, she, right. she was ready to kind of come at me. And so I was just like, yep, I'm sorry. I messed up. And she kind of, yeah, like, no, I, that's like the best policy. I'm, I would be the same way. I think I would have reacted the same way. I would have just been like, I'm very sorry. I actually came in late today. And I feel like, you know, trying to weasel your, they can tell when you're trying to weasel your way out of something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's been, she was a military physician for like 10 years. I mean, she oh, knows wow. the deal. So she was just like, ah, all right, fine. Come on. <laughs> so, and luckily you now that those patients have all been there for like a week already. So I knew them pretty well. I just needed to update their vitals and stuff for her. So, um, but the, uh, you could see the disappointment. I think if I were an attending and I was in the middle of my day and I looked up and saw some student dodge getting their head ripped off i'd be disappointed too so yeah did you have um in did you have residents during this rotation or no no so my site the only residency there was family med and so maybe on peds inpatient and like one other rotation did i have residents otherwise it was just me and the attending okay yeah see i think that's kind of not i mean it's that's the pros and cons of having no residences the responsibilities are on you, which is a pro, and the con is the responsibilities are on you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, when you mess up, there's no one to to cover for you. So yeah, just uh, yeah, you gotta take it like a champ and kind of move on. So, um, what about you? Like during interview season, what what is what is like an average IM interview like? Um. So basically, I think usually most of my interviews began with you know, brief introduction, light breakfast, things like that. And then either you're broken up into two groups. You either uh, go on the tour or you um, have your interviews and then you would flip. Um, oh, also during like the light breakfast and stuff, usually the chief or the program director um, or one of the residents would go through like a PowerPoint with you to like answer as many programs as, or answer as many questions as they could about the program um, and just, you know, give you some generalized info. Um, but yeah, then tour, then interviews, and then there was usually some type of lunch with the residents, and then, yeah, that's pretty much it. What were some of the questions you got asked, typically? Tell me about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope those. I never have to answer that again as long as I live. <laughs> I, 
think I don't want to tell. I don't want that question, and I don't want to be asked. Do you do you have any questions? Like, oh my god. No. Man. Yeah, I can't. I can't answer either of those anymore. I have PTSD. I, I know, right? I've been here all day. I think I cannot be. I cannot hear the words. Do you have any more questions? Yeah, especially when you have an interview dinner the night before, because I feel I honestly felt like interview dinners before the interview were so helpful in terms of answering questions because you could ask multiple people the same question just to gauge like you know, is that a truthful answer? Um, and just get multiple perspectives. But then like on interview day, you're left with, you know, people asking you if you have any questions and you're just like, I asked them for two hours last night. No, I don't have any yeah. more questions. Yeah. And you feel bad because they're only asking that to, they're trying their best to show that they care and like, you know, of course. That they're involved, but it's like, dude, please. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you know, so I, I found out that not all specialties do like interview dinners, things like that. Uh, like oh, really? Certain, like I know I had a friend doing ortho and like some of the places didn't even offer a dinner. They were just like, be here at 7 a.m. And, you know, you'll be out by like one. And I think, uh, what was it? Maybe radiology was the same for certain programs. Uh, I was like, yeah. man, that sucks. That's really impersonal. But that kind of shows you what they view, how they view you and how they're going to treat you probably. So makes sense. Yeah. I mean, did you have an interview dinner for all of your interviews yeah every single one. Oh wow no internal medicine is also not like that oh, i would wow. say half of my maybe half or a little more than half i had interview dinners but not definitely not all of them i feel like do you think that that would kind of show do you think that is a reflection of the program itself or do you think that's just they just didn't do that um i think it depends i think a lot of either newer or less well-funded prog programs probably are obviously the ones that don't do the dinners um I don't really know if I think there's a correlation. Cause I just like you said though, I think it's so important to get a kind of candid view of the of the residents, and even if they did some, like just a gathering where they're like, hey, we're gonna have like you know light food served, you know something that wouldn't break the bank, I think would be super helpful just to have a non yeah. You know, when you're in your suit, it just it's harder to ask candid questions, you know. Yeah, yeah, up. true. So. I think the other thing too, in retro now looking at it in retrospect. I definitely did feel more comfortable like with my when I was making my rank list I went a lot off of gut feeling um, and I think I did have better gut feelings about the programs I had the pre-interview dinner with and I don't know if it's because you know the program is necessarily like good or bad or whatever I just think it gave me a little bit more solace knowing that you know I really feel like I vibe with these residents or I really didn't feel like I vibed with these residents. Like I just felt it made my decision a little bit more clear. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah it's interesting to look at yeah, in retrospect. I can't believe you had one for every program. That's crazy to me. Yeah, every program did that, and every program paid for our hotels too. Uh, no, I only had two programs pay for my hotels. Really? See? Yeah. Should have gone family med. That's the move. See? Saved a lot would've of money. Would have been cheaper, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine how much more that would have cost having to pay. For, I mean, that saved me a meal, and it saved me breakfast because I always had leftovers, and it saved you know the, the, the housing. So that's tough, yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, it is what it is. There's there's negatives and pluses for everything. So yeah. True. Sense. True. Um, you know, kind of transitioning off the healthcare stuff, I wanted to ask too. It was one of the most interesting things you said on the phone was that running track and being a D one athlete was actually harder than you thought. Part of, like partially harder than medical school was. Yeah, I I still think that <laughs> my opinion <laughs> hasn't changed. <laughs> what what was it like? What was it like being a D one track star? So I think it was it was hard. It was very very hard. And I 
be trying to be a division one athlete and fulfill those requirements is a huge task for a essentially teenager. You're still a teenager when you go to college. So it's a very big task for a teenager to accomplish. Like that's a lot. And then throw in there trying to stay eligible to compete with your academics. And then on top of that, pre-health, like you're if you want to be a PA or a PT or a doctor or a pharmacist, like you need good grades. Just yeah. enough to keep you eligible isn't going to be enough to get you into a pre-health professional school. So I think that's what, what made it the hardest. But still, being alone, being a Division One athlete was difficult, not even considering academics. What were your days like relative to with, with that involved? Mm, so I think most semesters we would get up and we would have lift at 6 a.m. Um, that was usually an hour, two hour and 15 minutes. And then we'd get ready. We'd go for breakfast. And then most of us had class at 8 a.m. Uh, and we had then we'd go to class, you know, pretty much all day, eat lunch, stuff like that. And we had to be done by 3 because we had practice from 3 to 5, 5.30 every day. Um, so it, was, it wasn't exactly encouraged to take night classes. They wanted you to get through everything during the day so that it didn't interfere with practice. Um, which made things a little bit difficult because as a science major, a lot of your labs are, you know, 530 to 8 was, at least at my institution, a lot of them were in the evening. So yeah. that was difficult. Um, and then usually you'd spend about an hour, you know, in the recovery room, either icing, doing rehab, taking ice baths, you know, stuff like that, just to recover from practice. And then you'd eat dinner until about like 630 and then go to study hall until, until your work was done, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when you're going into, you did 400 meter hurdles, right? Yes. Okay. So when you're going into a meet, like it's, it's Thursday and you have a Saturday meet, what's the preparation? Cause you know, football, for example, they watch film, they do this and that. What is your preparation as a hurdles athlete? Um, a lot of it was mental, just getting your mind right because it's a little bit different than football. Like football, it's like you and all of your teammates are on the field. Um, I'm not saying that football is easier, but like in track, it's like you might be the only person in your heat from your school and everyone is just watching those eight people run around the track. There's only eight lanes. The most amount of people that are out there are eight. And sometimes you are the only person representing your school. So it's definitely a lot of mental preparation. Um, meditation is something that was, you know, encouraged. Um, even just like visualizing your race and kind of just going through it in your head keeping in mind things that you know you need to work on. For me, it was often like, you know, snap the trail leg through. So I would just focus a lot on that. Picturing myself in my like ideal racing situation. Um, and then a lot was also um, like we had like these these boots that were for like recovery. So we would put like the boots on and they help with like lactic acid and recovery and stuff like that. So we would use those and ice and rehab and just stuff to kind of get you, I guess, like a little more limber and get your muscles kind muscle fibers kind of recruited um, beforehand. Like the uh, compression boots, the ones that go up to your head. Yeah, yeah, the compression boots. I couldn't think of what they were called. That's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, those are pretty <laughs> sweet. I, I like those a lot. Um, yeah, we used to even use them like on the bus. The athletic trainer would set them up for us on the bus and we could use the boots on the bus. <laughs> sweet. Yeah, that's a good move. I mean, why not take advantage of the time, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool though. So, I mean, do you think that, do you think that, 
not do you think, but the way you put it when we talked last time is that because of that, it was actually easier during med school to stay in shape, stay, you know, keep fitness as a huge part of your life just because before it was a job and now it's kind of just something you get to do for fun. Yeah, absolutely. And even aside of both of those, it was like, like I said, I was lifting for an hour, doing recovery for an hour and then two to two and a half hours of practice. It's like four and a half to five hours a day of some type of activity. So, you know, when in med school, it was like, oh, I only have to go for a jog for 30 minutes to kind of stay in shape for the rest of my life. That's cake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I gave myself an extra four hours of time just by not having to be an athlete anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's, that is a good point. Like, wow, if I just do a jog, I'm doing more than most people. That's sweet. So yeah, that's good. And what do you do nowadays for fitness? Uh, it depends. So like right now, obviously, at least my gym is closed. I think most gyms are so closed. Um, I've been doing a lot of like what I call distance running is a 400 runner is three miles. So to me, that's distance running to some <laughs> that people. Is, that's not distance running. <laughs> that is definitely distance. Don't let anyone try to fool you. That's distance. <laughs> so I've been doing a lot of that, a lot of hill workouts and stuff like that. Um, but in general, I, I do try and do three days of running a week and then two days of lifting in the gym. Um, but right now I've kind of just been doing either four days of running and one day of like a hit workout or five days of running. Okay. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. It's been tough. Like with the gym, I, I never really, I was just a lifter typically and man, I've been doing a lot of running and I don't like it. <laughs> I don't, I don't You're like excited it. for your gym to reopen. <laughs> I wish it's the one time I'll ever say this. I wish I was back in Florida because Florida's gyms opened up like a couple of weeks ago. So I like, saw. Yeah. I have a friend who's living there and she just posted her planet fitness on Instagram and I was very jealous. <laughs> I know, man, like the CrossFit gym that I used to go to reopened and I was like, oh my God, I would love to be back there right now. But how oh well, North Carolina is opening up soon, I think. So we'll Good. see what happens. But yeah, I, I, I miss it. I, I need that. I need a barbell back in my hands. I miss it. That's how I feel too. I can't wait to have a barbell on my back again and squat. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, are you a, more of a squat fan or a deadlift fan? Ooh, um, I love both, but I probably would say squatting is my favorite. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I in college, this. hand cleans, hand cleans were my oh thing my in God. college. Clean and jerk is probably my favorite movement. I'd say cleans specifically, like squat cleans and squats are probably my two favorite moves. And then deadlifts is my least favorite by far. <laughs> I bench bench press is by far my least favorite. I avoid the bench press at all costs. See, you want to hear something embarrassing? My bench and my de my max bench and my max deadlift are like pretty close, which is just not supposed to be a thing. So I'm either really good at bench or really bad at deadlift or both. <laughs> I don't know, it's it not, might be a combination of the two. It, yeah, it's not good though. It's not cool. But um, <laughs> I just like I have no interest in trying to like the last time I really lifted heavy on deadlifts was in grad school, which was like 2015, and I just don't see myself ever going that hard and i'll go ahead and tell you it was 350 that was my max deadlift so it's like yeah. uh it wasn't good so um and 335 was my max bench so it's like that's that those aren't supposed to be very close but yeah that is very close <laughs> yeah i mean I, i'm short and i have short arms so it probably made the bench easy okay and the easier hard. yeah true but like i but like squats i can squat i would say a lot like my max squat was 415 so it's like i can get up there with that but um yeah i don't know i just uh I hate it. I hate deadlifts. So. <laughs> if that was all I had to do at the gym, I think I would just rather do running. And that says a lot. Yeah, so. that's usually I'll finish my lift and not do bench press and do some type of run instead. I hate that. 
so much. <laughs> you got to do that. You can't you can't skip so it. Much. I at least do them, you know. I just hate them. <laughs> you you just skip it and do that. Yeah, that's true. No, yeah, I skip them entirely. I can't tell you the la- I the last time I bench pressed was when I was in Grenada. Oh which was God. 2 years ago. Oh man. Yeah, see at least like even now I do like single leg deadlifts, like banded stuff, but um you see at least you're trying to improve what you're not so great at. I'm not. <laughs> which is respect. bad. Respect. I respect that though. Just get really good at what you're good at, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah, focus on the things I'm good at. That's not my normal approach, that's for sure. Well, until you're uh, getting paid for powerlifting competitions, I guess you don't really have to worry about it. Yeah, that's how I see it too. It's like I'm not trying to either A, enter competitions, and B, exercise is supposed to be what I'm, you know, going to do to like de stress and like take my mind off things. So I feel that no reason to add bench press in there if, if I don't enjoy it. I know. That's why, like, you know, I'm like, uh, maybe I won't have a beer tonight. Now I got a hard workout tomorrow. I'm like, well, I'm also not getting paid for this. So I think I'm going to have a exactly. beer tonight. Exactly. Why not? Yeah. So that makes sense. Um, what about, like, do you play any sports nowadays besides track? Do you do anything now for fun recreationally? Um, I do still play basketball sometimes. Usually I shoot around by myself. Um, when I was in New York, I was running with, like, uh, like team for kids. It's like, for some of the races they hold, you can, you know, raise donations for um, this kid's athletic uh, equipment for this for the city. Um, so I ran with them a few times for, um, like, the races I was training for up there. But I we were supposed to create a soccer league, and we never wound up creating it. So I wish we did, but it's okay. Outside. I found something else. Yeah, you found something else. <laughs> <laughs> what about outside of fitness? What other hobbies do you have? Um, I actually recently started reading again. And I say again, because I loved reading as a kid. I used to read books all the time. Uh, and then, you know, college and medical school made it kind of hard to read books for fun because you were Mm -hmm. reading books that weren't for fun. Um, Mm -hmm. and during interview season, I started reading again. And during this pandemic, I've just been blown through the books. (laughs) Um, so yeah, reading, I do like arts and crafts as well. And pretty much anything outdoors, like I said, with Grenada. I love hiking. I love skiing. I love snowboarding. Um, I actually got scuba certified when I was in Grenada, so I I miss the ocean for sure. Uh, pretty much anything outdoors is, is up my alley. That's sweet. You got scuba certified? I did, yeah. A lot of my classmates actually did. You're going to get a lot of use out of that in Philly, huh? Not really. <laughs> 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 yeah but uh no it makes perfect sense that's really cool though and that way when you take a trip you can just hop right in you know that's pretty cool. yeah exactly i was supposed to go back to grenada in april actually and i planned to do some diving there but unfortunately covid19 had other plans yeah they had uh, that was a uh, that mistress she didn't she didn't want anyone to have fun this year did she? she did not she said no fun for the entire year of 2020 it sounds like it, yeah. She it's, said, oh, you just finished med school and then you're going to start residency? I'm going to ruin the only break that you have for the next yeah. three years. <laughs> yeah, you can stay home. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, you'll be good. Um, I, I feel bad for the people who, because like my plan was to just go home and just chill, like sleep as much as I could, just work out. My, my plan was two days at the gym and like plenty of yoga and just like chilling. And so yeah. now that, that the gym got canceled, I just canceled yoga too, you know? So yeah. You don't want to get too flexible. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Would um, never be a good thing. <laughs> right, right. Flexibility is overrated. So, um, but yeah, it's unfortunate, and it's interesting too with you know all these riots going on. Kind of how how quickly people kind of just said whatever with social distancing. I mean, the riot. You know, 
whatever the stance on that you know, the thing that sparked the riots is one thing, but it's just interesting that people said, you know what, I don't care about social distancing. We're going out and we're going to get our point across that, you know, we, we want things to change. I think that was interesting how quickly people just kind of congregated again. Yeah, I think a large part of the thing, like the riots and stuff too, and not even just the riots, but the protests in general is like you fear the virus or you fear for your life. And so I think they're willing to get the virus as long as, you know, some change in their life is being made. It's, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a lot, a lot going on. Yeah, that's true. Like you said in the beginning, it's like 2020 has been interesting. So it's been... Yes, and it's only going to continue to get more interesting, I feel. Today is the first day of June. We'll I was going to say we are only in June. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what Jumanji game that 2020 throws at us, you know. See, yeah. We'll see what June has. What was it? Last month was the protests slash riots and then the killer hornets. I mean, we had World War Three. We had coronavirus. We had all this other stuff already. Like, we'll see what June brings. I forgot about the killer hornets, actually. At some point, I think it was NASA or someone like admitted that we've had contact with aliens, and that kind of just got swept under the rug. <laughs> I remember, I remember seeing that, like, and being like, "Wait, that's kind of going on too." I mean, it was like it kind of just got mentioned and then kind of just passed along. But yeah, it's been a weird year. <laughs> it's been quite eventful. Yeah, um, I don't know, but let's see. One of the questions I like to ask everyone is, looking back when you were younger, what did you get in trouble for as a kid? What did I get in trouble for as a kid? I feel like being too smart. Not like, you know, smart, book smart. Being too smart, like cocky smart. Ah, like I feel like I had an attitude. <laughs> I might funny. still have an attitude. <laughs> well, on this podcast, you definitely didn't. So I think you're doing better. Not yet. We're not done yet. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Just give, I'm give just kidding. Time. You're just warming up, right? You know? Yeah. Um, one of the things I used to get in trouble for was I was, you know, I was really into like G unit and just shit like that, stupid stuff like that. So, you know, I'd go to school in one outfit and have a different outfit in my bag and it would be like a, <laughs> a much more G unit appropriate outfit. That's and funny. My mom came to like drop something off for me at school one time and saw me and it was over from there basically. So I, uh, that ended pretty quick once she found out, but it was tough. I don't know. Being a kid was was fun, but there's certain things you're just like, man, that kind of sucked. <laughs> you know, I, I, I missed like, I don't I don't miss no autonomy at all. You know. No, me either. But I do miss long nap times being like okay, like you're yeah. expected to take a nap every day. Now it's like, why are you taking a nap? <laughs> yeah, it's like forget your productivity. Wake up. You know, just take some coffee. Back then it was take a nap. You're you're whining. Take a nap. Now it's your whining. Go eat something or take some coffee. <laughs> exactly. We've transitioned. Uh, I hate it. I hate it. Um. What about your gym playlist? What does that look like? <laughs> so my gym, I don't have a gym playlist, actually. I have a running playlist. Gym playlist, ironically, I either play 50 Cent, G-Unit, TI, something from my middle school days to pump me up a little bit. Um, but my running, my running playlist is a random mix of songs that all kind of have the same cadence so that I keep running the same speed the whole time um but the playlist i ran the broad street run in philadelphia in 20 i guess it was 16 um and i created a playlist then to it was an hour and 20 minutes of songs with like a similar cadence similar beat um and i have ran to that playlist on every run ever since for the last four years <laughs> <laughs> i think it's t i think it's time to change because i 
I have never had the energy to go ahead and create a new running playlist. That makes sense, though. I get it. I get it. That's really funny. <laughs> I like that. Hey, you know, <laughs> stick with what works. You know, it's like the, the yeah, that's thing. true. I see no reason to change. I'll, like I, yeah, there's like 50 songs, I guess, and I've just never felt the reason to add any more. <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe just add a couple here and there. You yeah, know? like two, two or three a year or something. You'd Switch be doing, it up. You would be making huge improvements if you just did that. You know. So yeah. yeah. But then again, like when I was a kid, I have I have a pretty big family and it's like a lot of cousins, and so we'd all be in the basement playing like Mortal Kombat. And I would just like spam this one button and I would kill my cousins over and over and over again, just doing the same thing. And they would get mad, like do something different, but pff, I'm not giving up the control. So yeah. whatever works, works, you know, keep it, keep it grinding. So that's true. So, yeah, I mean, it's cool. I'm glad that we didn't have any technical, technical difficulties this time and let's actually talk the whole time. So I guess I know you have to leave pretty soon. So maybe I can just ask you our wrap up questions and then we'll get you out of here. Yeah, sure. We have like a half an hour yet. All right, cool. So. These last four questions, I'll, I ask every single guest. You can take as much time as you want, flush them out however you want, and then we'll uh, we'll go from there. So, the first question is: Was medical school what you expected? Hmm, that's a good question. Do I do I think medical school was what I expected? I would say largely yes. Um, I would say being a doctor and everything in general, maybe not as much. But I think way? medical school in general was. Um, just, I guess, you know, when you're growing up as a kid and stuff, you see doctor is like, oh, you literally deal with patients one-on-one all the time. You talk to the patients, you build long-term relationships, you save people's lives, things like that. But nowadays there's like so much extra, like there's a lot of computer work and you spend less time with the patients. You have to worry about insurance, whether insurance is going to pay for things. You get arguments with insurance companies. And I, I feel like you deal with a lot more extra than I ever expected. And I haven't even started practicing as a doctor yet. And I I have noticed sort of about the extra work that has nothing really to do with clinical medicine at all. It's a lot of extra stuff that just like doesn't involve the patient, doesn't help the patient. It's just busy work to kind of get in your way of the patient, actually. Yeah, it's like time taking being taken away from the patients, essentially, which is very sad. That's true. That's true. But other than that, though, I think it's it is kind of what you expected, it sounds like. Besides that. Medical school absolutely was kind of what I expected. I expected it to be, you know, hard, getting information thrown at me left and right, lots of studying, not much of a social life, and I think lar- largely all of that was kind of true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the one thing I didn't expect about med school that was very apparent through all four years for my school was the time wasting that my school you know, intricately interweaved in our curriculum, just like stuff that was just a complete waste of time that didn't didn't benefit us as a student, but just was a waste of time. I didn't expect that at all. And that was disappointing. Yeah, that's interesting because I feel like I feel like a lot of people I talk to, not only from your school, but like either other Caribbean schools or my own school or other students in the U.S., I I feel like they've all kind of had a a similar complaint. So if that makes you feel any better whatsoever, it's not just you. (laughs) Others others co-suffering, unfortunately, doesn't make me feel better. It just makes me more annoyed. (laughs) Right. That 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 more people are dealing with this than you would want. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, that was like one of the biggest surprises for med school. Otherwise, like you said, I expected it to be hard. I expected it to suck, but I expected it to be very uh, mainstream, you know, very streamlined. Yeah, yeah. This is everything you're gonna need, and it was so much crap that was just meeting, <laughs> meeting two hour meeting that could have been a two, you know a two paragraph email stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah, we definitely have had that that as well. 
But yeah, I guess it's a good suffering, point though. Co-suffering is, I guess, reassuring that it's not just. <laughs> so yeah, it doesn't make um, anything better though. Exactly. So, but your in your opinion, the second question is: in your opinion, what are keys to success in medical school? Time management, easily the biggest key to success in medical school. I think also kind of coexisting with good time management, you need to know how you learn and you have to be able to keep your blinders on because I know from my experience, I've done this as well, but students will be like, oh my God, this person is using this video resource. I must use this video resource when really they learn best by reading books. And then they wonder why they're not, you know, getting better grades on the test because they're watching these videos that everyone else is watching when they're missing the point that they learn better by reading the book and they would be retaining information better if they just read the book. Um, and, you know, there's a bunch of different types of learners, auditory, visual, whatever. Uh, but I think knowing how you learn uh, is something that's important and that kind of ties in with time management because if you know how long it's going to take you to get through a lecture and stuff, um, obviously this is going to take a couple weeks to figure out because medical school is obviously new to first term students. Um, but once you kind of get a sense of how long it takes you to get through material, you can better make a structured schedule. And I think sticking to that schedule is, is super important. Um, uh, but also in that schedule, you need to kind of schedule overflow time because your brain will get anxious if you know, you're like, Oh, I must stay on schedule. And then maybe you're just not understanding a specific lecture and you need more time on it. I think it's important to have that overflow time just to kind of keep your mind at ease. Yeah, that's a good point. Build in a little bit of you know extra time for yourself, no matter what you know, the yeah. schedule says. It's all it's almost always gonna get off the like, get derailed. So it's important to absolutely for that. and don't let it freak you out. Yeah, that's a good point. And the, the third question kind of goes along those lines of you know now that you're you know a doctor now, congratulations. Um, Thank you. You as well. Yeah, no thanks. Um, looking back to you know current medical students or even pre meds, what would be your advice to them? Hmm. My biggest advice to pre-meds and current medical students, I think would kind of just be when you have the time off, take advantage of it. And I mean this in both the sense where if you are, you know, supposed to be studying for step one and the school gives you time off so that you don't have to, you know, try and fit in going to lecture and you have the whole day to study, take that whole day to study, take however much time you have off to do the studying if that's what the time off is being, you know, given to you for. It sucks going to lecture and then also having to try and study on top of it when really you could be using the whole day. And likewise, if you have time off, that is a break. Take it as a break. Spend time with your family. Spend time with your friends. Obviously, that's hard right now because no one's really allowed to go anywhere. But FaceTime your family. FaceTime your friends. If you're being given the break to have a break, take a break. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good point is like what your time is should be designated for. Make sure you're doing that. If yeah, it's break exactly. Time, break time, chill out. If it's study time, make sure you're studying and don't mix those times up. So, yeah, yeah, that was a much more concise way of just saying what I did. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for yeah. that. <laughs> that's what I'm here for is to summarize. That's all I did. That's all I did. It was an unexpected question. <laughs> <laughs> so the last question is, if you woke up tomorrow and you were 10 years old and you had to redo everything to get back to this point now, would you do it all over again? Yes. Sweet. See, that's what I like. Nice and concise. That was a concise, easy question. <laughs> easy money. That's what I'm talking about. So, yeah, that's perfect. So, uh, that's all I had. If there is there anything else you wanted to share, uh, anything you wanted to ask me, anything like that? Let me think. 
Oh yeah. How, how did you get interested in medicine? How did you, um, what was your path like to medical school as well? In either comparison or contrast to mine. Um, so I also took three times to apply, but mine was a little bit different as in, so my whole life, I I forget, I, I don't remember what it was as a kid, but I always wanted to do medicine. And then my senior year of high school, I completely changed my mind and I wanted to do chemical engineering. I wanted to become an engineer so that I could work on water purification in developing countries. So Interesting. I, I started my first two and a half years of college in chemical engineering. I absolutely hated it. It was not my <laughs> kind of it was not my kind of science. I don't do well with physics and I didn't enjoy the upper level classes like the solids and kinetics and stuff. It's just it was right. just not, it was just boring to me. I just didn't didn't like it. So I switched. It took me five years to graduate, but I switched, and um, I really, I'm really glad I switched. I worked in spinal cord research for about a year, a little bit over a year, at University of Miami, and then cool. I went back to North Carolina, uh, back to NC State for grad school. Got into med school during grad school, and yeah, that was my route. That kind of it was a weird little couple years off, but otherwise, I always wanted to go into medicine. I don't yeah. Know what happened? I guess I got. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you why I switched all of a sudden, but um, I definitely think I'm where I'm supposed to be. So I'm glad. Yeah, that fate brought you back. Exactly. Exactly. Fate and brought me back, and I think it's. Uh, I think I'm where I'm supposed to be. So I think I'll be happy once I'm done with all my training and I'm actually practicing. I think I'll be the most happy I've ever been. So. Yeah, know. that's good. Yeah. So it's been. It was an interesting path. Um, I liked. I liked the research to an extent. It was just long hours. I killed a lot of rats in the lab. I've um, <laughs> been there myself. I understand. I know. Yeah, I felt bad after a while. At first, I was like, oh, yeah. this is cool. I get to use my hands and do procedures. And I was like, man, these guys are suffering. I feel yeah. so bad. I feel exactly. so bad. Because like, what we were doing was spinal cord injury research. So you know, I was paralyzing rats and then giving them different treatments and then harvesting their organs, looking for the toxicity of the drugs we were using. And okay. also trying to find like the efficient dose, like the dose to toxicity ratio. Right. And so it's just, you know, a lot of rats have to get put down for that. And a lot of rats have to be injured. And it was sad. You know, you get these perfectly normal rats and, you know, the next thing you know, they're, ah, God, these things, you open up their spinal cord and you're dropping this weight on it and you're paralyzing them or, you know, injuring them. And it was, it was sad, but um, yeah, it kind of, that is sad. Yeah. What were you saying? I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I think that, I think your, I think your route will bother bothers me more than mine and mine bothered me a little bit ours was more indirect we didn't have to paralyze them or anything but we were feeding them high fat diets to see how it would affect their aortas and then when they were put to sleep we would dissect their aorta to see how much it was covered by plaque um and some mm. of them would have heart attacks some of them it was still sad to me but yeah, i can't imagine course. having to paralyze them that's depressing <laughs> i know you paralyze them and then you torture them for six months with all these different medications and then you harvest their organs at the end to look at organ function before and yeah. after. So it was, uh, I mean, it was, don't get me wrong. It was interesting work. It was grueling though. And then when they're alive, you know, you're, you're testing motor function. So you just sit there and okay. watch these rats, like try to eat a fruit loop and you just record yeah. it. And then you, you analyze the video and you give them a score and it's like, wow, this is so, <laughs> this is, uh, this is not what I thought I was going to be doing. I know, I know. And there'd be times I'm sitting there in this chair, like nodding off and then, what would wake me up was you hear this crunch sound and the rats eating a Fruit Loop. I'm like, oh god, I gotta get some camera. <laughs> it's like I never thought I'd be so excited to watch a rat eat a Fruit Loop, but right. Uh, um, That's yeah, funny. it was it was tough. So <laughs> it was interesting, but yeah, we bonded. Me and the rats, we bonded, so it was good. I never thought I'd say that, but we bonded. <laughs> so, 
Um, yeah, well, I uh, I really had a good time. I'm glad this worked this time. And yeah, uh, same. Thank you so much for being a guest. I can't thank you enough. Twice, actually. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me on here twice. Yeah, it's been awesome. And uh, if you have any friends that you think would or are, are as cool as you, that would be good good uh, guests and be interested, send them my way. It would be awesome to have them on. Yeah, I will absolutely do that. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kate. I really appreciate your time and appreciate your story. So anything else I can do in the future, let me know. And I appreciate everything. Sure. Take care. All right. Have a good one. Thanks. You too. All right. That was Kate, future internal medicine resident, future internist, and always a badass. So thank you everyone for listening to those in the game and those on their way up. Keep grinding and don't let anyone take your dream away from you.